Welcome to a new style of video that we're going to be doing here at Nanak Nam. Uh, this is going to be a podcast style interview and I know I've had a lot of interest from you guys uh, about doing podcasts. Uh, so hopefully over the next few months we're going to be doing a lot more interviews and uh, getting to know people who've got a lot of experience uh, and knowledge in different parts of meditation and Sikhi in general. So today's interview and today's podcast is going to be trying to answer one of the most commonly asked questions that we get here at Nanak Nam, which is how to meditate, how to do Nam Simran. So you know that if you've been watching uh, a lot of the Nanak Nam videos, we talk a lot about the concepts and things like that within uh, Sikhi about oneness and things like that. But a question that I kept, I keep getting asked again and again is, well, how do we actually do the meditation? What should I be expecting with my Nam Simran? So to, in today's uh, podcast style video, I want to be looking at how do we meditate, uh, how to apply meditation in your daily life, uh, and then look at specific techniques uh, of meditation and Nam Simran. Uh, but first, let me introduce my guests. So some of you will be familiar with a video that uh, a friend of mine, Jaswinder Singh, and I did at the Akal channel at the One Show with Dr. Gurnam Singh. Uh, we did a show going back a few months ago about the nature of suffering and what is suffering. Uh, and that video was really successful online. And I had quite a few people send me messages about Jaswinder Singh and saying, well, who is he and uh, does he have any more videos? Uh, so Jaswinder Singh, you're getting quite popular online. You hadn't told uh, me that before, but OK. <laughs> so um, we're getting we're getting a lot of uh, people asking about uh, Jaswinder Singh. Uh, and so let me give you an introduction as to how I met Jazz. Uh, we actually met through Nanak Nam and a lot of people uh, contact me on a daily basis. But Jazz contacted me about specifically these um, interviews rather these um, poems that you were um, writing so beautifully. And as soon as I read some of those poems, I got to kind of understand uh, what kind of level of thinking and what kind of level of spirituality you, you've kind of gone through in your own personal experience. So I asked Jazz to come on the show. Like We've had a lot of conversations offline about um, very, very deep kind of spiritual conversations uh, about lots of different subjects. Uh, and I've said to Jazz, look, I really want you to come on uh, one of my videos uh, uh, and let's do an interview and let's talk about Nam Simran. So today I know Jazz got a lot of experience with uh, meditation in general uh, but today specifically I want to talk about uh, Nam Simran and using mantra as a technique so welcome welcome to our first very fast podcast thank you very much for the uh, the, the very kind introduction there you've uh, booked me up to such an extent that I can only fall very very far now I'm, so that's I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> so you thank you for that I'm sure you won't disappoint uh, disappoint anyone um, so why don't we start by just uh, you giving us a brief introduction to your experience of meditation uh, the types of meditations that you've done um, and you know what you, you know what have you what have you got out of it Okay, um, so I got into meditation many years ago now, so probably in my late teens, um, which, which is a far distant memory now. Um, it was primarily driven by a personal interest in kind of psychology and the mind, um, and actually didn't, you know, my, my interest in meditation didn't actually start from, from Sikhism, although I was um, what I regard as an active Sikh and, and sort of believe in a lot of the, the, the philosophies and the ideas. Um, it didn't seem that the reson that the meditation part didn't seem to resonate with me, and I actually got interested in meditation through other avenues. Um, but as I got more into meditation and more into Sikhi um, in quite disparate ways, um, I slowly started to see the the, the very close connection. Um, and although it will probably sound obvious in this day and age in terms of Sikhi being about meditation and Nam uh, Nam Japan and Simran, um, it wasn't obvious to me at the time. Um, but once I made that connection, it, it really kind of uh, 
um, motivated me on both paths and, and sort of got deeper and deeper into it from there. So what kind of meditations had you tried? Like you said that you didn't necessarily make the association between Sikhi and meditation and Nam Simran. So what was your what was your first sort of introduction to meditations? So initially it was a, a kind of a combination of Vipassana, which I'm sure many, many people have heard of, and Vipassana is now um, kind of being rebranded almost as, as mindfulness uh, meditation. Yeah, go, I mean, I mean for, for those people who haven't experienced Vipassana or aren't familiar with that term, like, please explain it a little sure, bit. Sure, so, so the Vipassana is basically a awareness type of approach to meditation. It's, it's trying to bring uh, present moment awareness to, to an object of meditation, and the objects of meditation actually vary as you go through the practice. Um, so anyone who goes on an initial Vipassana course or maybe a mindfulness course, um, the initial object will be breath meditation. So you know, I'm sure people have already seen videos about how you concentrate on your breath. That's basically a starting point for Vipassana. Um, but other, other types of meditation that I, I initially sort of uh, delved into were Zen uh, types of meditation and some of the, the Buddhist and, and Eastern style types of meditation. Is that very much to do with silence? So Zen is. Zen is a very peculiar and particular type of meditation of, of learning to just be with yourself. And there's very limited instructions, which is why um, a lot of people who are getting into Zen find it quite difficult because they don't actually tell you what to do beyond the postures. Right. Um, it is a case of actually... Um, pointing you in the right direction, so pointing you in an introspective manner, um, and then letting your experience dictate. So it's very much sort of exploring it, right? It is guided. Yeah, very much exploring, and that really resonated with me because I, um, the the whole reason I got into meditation was just a curiosity. Um, so even just having a practice which um, bona fide the 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 approach of just looking inwards as being a, a useful technique, um, I found quite I found quite useful. How did you then come across doing mantra? Because Zen and mantra, I would imagine, are, are almost two polar opposites in, in, in terms of technique, not necessarily in terms of what the, um, what the achievement, what the goal is for, but certainly in yeah, terms of the I technique. Think, I, think the, I think to answer that question, it's really a case of the way I got into meditation and the way most people actually get into meditation is a bit back to front. It's almost right. as if you, you, you get into meditation because you've heard about a particular technique of meditation and you dive into that. Um, and then sometimes that will lead you to open your mind to other techniques and, and explore the whole sphere of meditation. But if I can parallel it, I, you know, I often use the analogy of exercise. It's almost like getting into exercise by only doing a particular type of exercise. And then a year or two later, realizing that exercise is this amazing thing for your entire health. And you can actually do loads of different types of exercises. A lot of exercises are related. You can do them in combination. So I went through a similar path in terms of I, I sort of delved into one or two particular types of meditation um, and then that opened me up to realizing meditation was this entire sphere of kind of a personal introspection um, and then looked at Sikhi my own background and my own you know upbringing um, sort of coming into play and realizing that there was this really powerful tool buried in my own uh, backyard as it were um, and that I needed to explore that so see that I, I suppose we somewhat have sort of similar backgrounds in in how we got into it for me I think growing up in a, I would say, quite a normal Sikh household and kind of the Sunday Sikhs going to the Gurdwara. Just no, a, normal. Normal, yeah, yeah. yeah, just kind of going to the Gurdwara on a Sunday. Um, 
I thought that for me, Sikhi was a lot to do with our history, um, and Kirtan was a big element mm. of it. But really, Simran was was not certainly not practiced in my family, and certainly mm. wasn't uh, something that was being pushed in in the weekly Gurdwara sessions that I was going to. It wasn't something that people were talking about at all. Um, it's only until I really got exposed to. Um, the mindfulness side of Sikhi um, and the deeply spiritual message of Sikhi, non-duality and all those sorts of things, did it then start making sense for me to start learning well, how do you achieve this? And 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 again, I started I started getting um, introduced to meditation first, a bit like you, mm. uh, which was sort of breath meditation, becoming aware of my thoughts. I mean, initially it was a lot of sort of visualization and mm. those sorts of things as well, and really just exploring just sitting with myself yeah. and just spending time with myself, which I didn't almost make that connection that was anything to do with Sikhi. And I think very similar to you, it was only later that I kind of started looking at, well, what is the Sikh technique? And mm. what is what is this thing about using a mantra or using a, 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 a particular jap and, and repetition again and again? Mm. Um, so again, that, that's sort of been my, my introduction to it. I mean, so, I mean, a, a lot of people get confused with this idea of meditation. I don't think, like you said, they don't necessarily marry this idea between doing Simran or Mantar Jap or Nam Jap with meditation. And I think people see those two things as as, as very different. And so in, in light of that, I think people are just confused when they hear the word meditation and they just think that it's something new, like we're introducing something new into Sikhi. So like, what would you say is the reason for someone to even try meditation, whether it's it's sort of more um, generally uh, tried and tested meditation techniques or whether it's specifically Nam Simran, like what are you trying to achieve? Why can't you just go and read Gurbani and just kind of learn the meanings of what it's saying and just understand this concept that there is a oneness and we're all connected? Mm. Well, what's the, what do you reckon the need is for actually okay, trying so, meditation? I mean, so for me personally, the, my perspective on why anyone would want to entertain or, or should entertain meditation as part of their, their sort of daily life is effectively if you want to understand your mind um, and you want to understand yourself you need to observe your mind and you need to observe yourself that's a really interesting way of putting and it so, so for me meditation is a very broadly speaking again you know this umbrella term of meditation that we're currently using it is an approach of introspection and observing your mind and therefore hoping to learn more about yourself now why should that mean any, anything to anyone? Why would one, anyone want to learn about their mind? Well effectively once you start to look at your mind you start to see the triggers of what are healthy behaviours and perhaps unhealthy behaviours and what triggers and emotions and thought patterns lead to your suffering um, or just not feeling great. We don't have to use you know big lofty words about suffering but just not feeling great on a particular day um, or just feeling a little bit better. So to start with, I mean, putting all the, the very esoteric spirituality stuff aside, it is just a process of like exercises. You would advocate exercise to your parents and people who have never come across exercise as being this approach of, well, if you apply some physical exertion, it will be better for your health in the long run. Well, likewise, introspection um, is a process of, it can be quite difficult to start with, but it is good for your mental and mental well-being in, in the long run. So, so that's a that's a very effective starting point for me, which doesn't have to do with any anything mystical or spiritual. It's a very practical daily practice to just be slightly healthier and happier. Um, but to to sort of again extend the the metaphor of exercises, you know, with with exercise you can do a light jog in the morning and be slightly healthier and happier. Or you can become an Olympic athlete and, mm. and be really sort of, you know, on your game with this particular form. 
Um, and meditation is, is likewise. It depends how far you want your interest in the mind and your place in the world to take you. And what we've seen from Sikhi and other sages and other traditions as well, that it can actually have some quite remarkable and transformative effects if you delve deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but I think it's, it's, it has practical, useful and almost immediate benefits from anyone that actually wants to try it. I really like that analogy of um, looking at meditation as exercise and some of the questions just almost become irrelevant because if somebody was to ask, well, what's the purpose of mm, exercise? Absolutely. It's almost such an obvious answer that yeah. you wouldn't even ask that question. Mm. It's just so obvious. Well, why, of course, do you want to do exercise? Because it's just good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for your, your heart and your, your muscles. And it's good for you know, burning fat and all those sorts of things. And I think in the same way, we almost need to start talking about meditation in that same way. Absolutely. Which is, it's yeah. such an obvious benefit mm. that it's good to do with sort of stress relief, knowing your own mind, understanding your reactions, as, as kind, of, kind of you said, you know, understanding why your emotions are are, are, are kind of reacting in, in a particular way and, and almost just knowing who you are a little bit better mm, it's kind absolutely. of just going in and, and searching who you are and I think that's a misconception that a lot of people make is that they already know who they are because they know their name they know their likes their dislikes they know their job they know all the thoughts that are inside their head but they don't necessarily understand why they react in a particular way um, and what they can do when they're in those situations but I mean going a little bit more into the spiritual side of it because I can imagine a lot of people saying yeah that sounds great that's a good reason in terms of like mental health and mental stability emotional stability but how how do you connect that with religion and for me the the, the clincher of, of, of understanding why why you should do any sort of meditation is when you understand that the whole god thing that everyone talks about is actually inside you and so if the whole god thing is inside you then forget every other thing that you're doing in your religious practice you have to go and look within yourself because if you're not looking within yourself then you've just kind of lost the whole point of it the whole point of this this any spiritual tradition as far as i've understood them is that you've got to go within yourself and there's enough gurbani that actually talks about that it's sitting within you it's inside mm -hmm. you it's at the mm -hmm. core of who you are it's the root of what you are and when you start understanding that connection which is that whatever you're doing in your religion is actually trying to find something inside you then at some point you've got to actually take that dive absolutely. and go within you absolutely and it's almost ironic in Sikhi especially because the the idea that God is within us and inside us is actually really prevalent you know in Completely. mainstream Sikhi and yeah. people who um, who have a real philosophical understanding or otherwise of Sikhi and yet it almost gets said and then quite quickly dismissed and dismissed you're so right it's yes. you know it's yes god, god's god inside, inside us you. but yeah fantastic let's yeah. move on uh, yeah. we yeah. all know that god's yeah. inside us yeah let's go get some yeah but now we're doing your amr duil and your nam simran and do those things because you're going to please god absolutely so absolutely. straight away we push god back yeah. out there again absolutely so the fundamental question arises well if god is inside you surely you need to spend some time a finding where you are because that's a good starting point if if you know god is inside you and then also trying to work out effective means of getting into yourself yeah. and exploring yourself and again that just ties nicely back to what we're saying about meditation that's exactly so we, what we've talked for. a lot about the different techniques of meditation and I mean I want to come as, keep a little bit of focus around Nam Simran and, and Mantar Jap specifically um, now I know you and I both sort of have this view that Nam is not necessarily restricted to a word uh, and certainly I've covered videos on this subject which is that Nam is this basically this oneness energy almost the experience of that of that oneness around the universe um, but kind of sort of keeping that that definition aside of this kind of wider wider concept of what Nam is 
what do you think about Nam Simran as a meditation technique itself? And I don't necessarily mean to compare it with other meditations, but in terms of is it effective? What, what, what are we doing with, with Nam specifically that it allows us to go on this inner journey? Okay, so part, part of it, and again, this is obviously personal, personal opinions, um, but part of it, I think, is this whole idea of giving yourself some mechanism to look in the right direction. Um, so our normal daily conventional life is basically just a, 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 a one series or another of events where we are looking outward at objects in the world. Um, and you know we've talked about the importance of looking inwards. So what Nam Simran does is it gives us a very effective means of turning our attention inwards to look in the right direction. Um, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is it's actually just an incredibly powerful way of building your powers of attention and powers of focus. Um, so again, I'd always draw the analogy to exercise because I think it's just such a powerful one. Um, people often have the complaint that, well, I've tried Nam Simran and I can't, I can't concentrate on, on reciting the word for more than a minute. Uh, I can't do it, it doesn't work for me. But that's almost like saying, well, I've tried running a marathon, took a jog for 10 minutes and I, I got tired, so yeah. I can't run a marathon. So I can't run a marathon, Exactly, yes. the, the entire point <laughs> of Nam Simran is to build your powers of perception, awareness, and focus. And the fact that you're failing at it is actually a sign that you're doing it right, not a sign that you're doing it wrong. Just as when you go to the gym, if you could lift every weight that was on the on the barbell, you're probably not working out the right muscle and you're probably not doing it in the right way. The fact that you fail is the, is the sign that there is progress because hopefully the next time you try it, you will fail a little bit later and a little bit later. And what you find is if you persist with it, you will basically build up these powers of perception that you can then use to bleed into your everyday life and introspect that much deeper and deeper levels. I think that's brilliant. That's really an interesting way to look at it, that the more that you are trying it, you will slowly start to see an improvement. And again, it just falls right back into this kind of exercise and workout analogy. Yeah, yeah. Now, the fact that you can't do Nam Simran for an hour doesn't mean that Nam Simran is, is ineffective in the yeah. same way that you just can't go to the gym and pick up the heaviest weight. It's just Absolutely. a brilliant analogy. Absolutely. So let, let, let's kind of, um, let's, look at how do you actually define Nam Simran? Like, what do you mean by that term Nam Simran? Because I'm sure a lot of people will probably have a lot of different yeah, understandings. Sure, sure. I mean, for me, the common understanding is very much just the recitation of a mantra, usually mm. Waheguru mantra. Yeah. What, what do you see as So, as so for me, I mean, I, I have personally, I personally distinguish the word Simran and Japa or Japa um, intentionally because I think they have slightly two different flavors and slightly two different meanings. And the Gurbani will talk about japping nam, and it will talk about simrna. Yeah. Now simrna again, the, you know, this is an area of massive philosophical debate and and cause and you know and 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 inquiry that, that you know that scholars have done. But simrna simrna seems to be implying a kind of a a a remembrance, a kind of inhabiting. Um, an experience, and that's what it means, isn't yes. it? Similar, similar, exactly. similar, yeah. similar means to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, As opposed to like what you're saying is jap, which is the the actual practice of reciting. Yes, and jap being yeah, a, a very distinct incremental recitation uh, of a practice. Now, for, again, for me, I think simrna almost is the kind of larger term, and japa is a type of simrna. It's a, a particular type of remembrance. But Nam Simna is basically almost the, the kind of wider umbrella meditative term of, of just constant remembrance of something and just, um, uh, you know. Uh, Could we call it awareness? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think you and I, we've had these conversations offline and, and, you know, and possibly in videos as well before that, 
we talk about NAM in very different terms, perhaps to um, you know the, the, the sort of basic definitions that people are talking about. But NAM similar fits very well if your if you your idea of NAM is this all-encompassing oneness, non-dual experience, um, and you are constantly trying to keep that in mind, and you're constantly trying to find that in every interaction you're having. That's when it becomes this you know, breath by breath, moment by moment, yeah. similar on... on so it's from, on. yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we, we have a, sh- a shared um, vision here, of a shared definition, which is that Nam Simran means to constantly be aware of the oneness. Yeah. And how you do that is to do Nam Japuna. Absolutely. You do Mantar Jap yeah. to actually get into the habit of almost training your brain. And I almost do, I do the same thing with, with, with my children when, when, they, when they've got a spelling test is that how do you learn to spell a mm. particular word is they literally have to say it out loud yeah. until they've kind of and I tell them that they're training their brain they're actually making their brain remember the spelling because you just repeat something again and again yeah, so that's absolutely. a good way to kind of almost distinguish jap from simrna mm. and simran in general absolutely um i th- i think the other thing to mention with with nam japana is just the fact that you know just expanding upon, upon the point about it pointing you in the right direction um you know th- there are various experiences that start to come to light um, and you know these are not mystical or magical experiences you know they are just conventional experiences uh, that you have in your everyday life that remain normally unscrutinized but with Nam Japana with this practice of actually reciting either mentally or verbally um, because you're doing this repetitive task time and time again and, and possibly spending you know half an hour a day you know every single day doing this you can start to see how this this thought this you know mental word audible sound or this actual audible sound is coming out is generated from your body so you can start to see the mechanisms at play and also the interruptions in those mechanisms so you're trying to jump this nam and then suddenly a thought will come in and you can see how you interact with that thought and how it then goes away and the point at which you remember again that you're supposed to be doing this meditation these are all unfortunately the 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 signs of most people's frustrations when yes. they first start but again i would tie it back into that's actually the thing working so that's how do, showing you well let's 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 talk about that how do, how do you get somebody to start what is the starting point and what are the almost the immediate obstacles that we know that they're going to face what would you say is like well, the most basic starting point i mean if you've never done meditation before just sitting down being quiet without any um, external inputs, at very least, will you know. Normally, people find that quite a difficult. Experience. I think people would just stop yeah, at you, that point you because go, if no, you just sit, yeah, because yeah. for the first time you're having to face your mind, Absolutely. and you just can't deal with the fact that your mind is just constantly talking. And I, I and I think like you, it, that's not uh, a bad thing. That's literally just being aware that this is what your mind's doing all the time. Absolutely, you're not necessarily your mind doesn't go into hyperdrive all of a sudden. It doesn't become faster just because you're sitting down. It's literally just showing you what your mind is doing all the time. Except now you've got nowhere to vent that yes. tension, yeah. so yeah. you're forced to look at it for yeah. the first time. Absolutely, and it can be a very uncomfortable experience. For people. Yeah, um, it, it can. You know, the the types of thoughts people have are not always going to be positive ones. Um, they're being fired at you constantly by your mind. Your mind is um, in this habit of a lifetime to just constantly talk at you. Um, and now you've decided to sit in a room or you know a dark space quietly and listen to it for the first time. Yeah. And that can be quite a quite a difficult experience. Um, but you know, again, this is where we get to the basic techniques of you give yourself an object like a mantra. Um, it's positive if that mantra has some emotional meaning or connection, which is why you know certain words might be ad- advocated and certain words might feel resonate more with you than others, which is absolutely fine. 
Um, so you think that's important to actually have that emotional I think it connection? Can help. I think it can help. So because you've you've invested some sort of reverence into that word, yeah, that yeah. you feel like actually that's I, I'm I'm calling some something that's like yeah. they call it. I think in 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 uh, in some of the Eastern tradition they call it an ishtadev, something mm-hmm. some some being that you that you've kind of created some affiliation or, or love towards. Absolutely, and almost actually there, there's you know countless stories which I'm sure you're aware in the Zen traditions and. Um, you know various Buddhist traditions and even in the Hindu traditions and you know old sages they would make their students go through extreme trials before they received this mantra and the idea behind that was I mean there's nothing magic about a word um, in all honesty words are just sounds but they then attached this very powerful meaning that they had received something of such great value and it had taken them such tribulation to get that value so they value it more they so value they're going to use absolutely. that that month is going to have a different psychological effect on i mean them. if i walked up to you you asked me how to meditate and i told you to say the word cupboard to yourself yes um you know for an hour a day you probably wouldn't do it um yes. but actually in terms of the mechanisms that are going on inside you it probably would actually achieve most of them it just doesn't have that emotional connection to keep you interested to keep you looking so it can actually help it can help um, having a, a word or a sound that actually means something to you that has some sort of connection because that helps you to keep the interest there. Um, but one of the things I've always been an advocate for is that if a particular word from a tradition that's not n- your native language, if, if that word just doesn't resonate with you initially, I've always been an advocate for people to actually just pick another word. Yeah, and even if absolutely. that word is in English, absolutely. and I mean, I've, I've been trialing and I'm quite successfully and I talk quite, quite openly about using the fact that I use this is you yeah. as, as a very profoundly impactful uh, mantra for me. But, you know, in the same way, you could possibly use just grace or mm. peace. If, mm. It depends on what you're trying to go mm. for mm. and what, the, what, what you're trying to do. But, you know, even, um, you know, jyotera hukum, mm. that can mm. be a, or this is your grace or this is your gift. Mm, absolutely so i mean so basically what we're saying is i think we need to allow people uh time to figure out what their mantra is going to be first yeah. and either you just take the standard mantra whether it's wahigu or satanam or whatever the word is but pick one and then actually start doing something with it absolutely. so so let's say absolutely. they've picked a mantra what do they do next with it and, and they've learned that they need to sit down with it sure sure okay so um yeah a good way to start is because our minds are so busy our lives are so busy is just give yourself some time give yourself a a a time in the day part of your routine carve out that time maybe in the morning or in the evening whenever it's comfortable for so you allocate some specific time. allocate some specific time when you know you're not going to be bothered the kids are not going to be running around um you're not likely to get a call you know these practical things sound obvious but they're so actually important because it will allow your mind not to be distracted or I make think that, it look that, that makes Amrit Villa just sound so completely practical as absolutely, well. Absolutely. Of course, it makes sense while everybody else is asleep yeah. and there's no distractions. You know, no one's going to be calling you. You don't necessarily need to be checking your emails at four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that just makes perfect sense. It does. And it's often with these things in, in Sikhi and, you know, our traditions that, you know what has now taken on a mystical and magical kind of notion like Amrit Vela there must be something magical going on at that time was actually just born out of just real sensible rational practical ways of doing things um, and, and I think that is one of them it is a quiet time that you can dedicate to yourself um, and just be concentrating on this particular task and be less less chance of being distracted um, but very simply you find a comfortable position um, now I can't actually overemphasize how important it is to find a comfortable position. A lot of people and a lot of 
meditative traditions will prescribe certain positions. Yeah, poses and, and yeah. And a lot of people will spend six months to eight months just struggling with these poses and never really even get started on the work that they need to do in their mind because they're so you know, concerned about their back and their, you know, their, their knees and things like that. And in fact, that, that kind of fires off more thoughts about, Absolutely. Being, how, do, about how uncomfortable About your inadequacy at being able to do this. So I, I, I can completely second that for me, just getting into a comfortable position. So the point at which for me, it's that if you're sitting down and, and you're meditating, you don't want to be thinking about your body. You don't want to be thinking about your, your you know, if you need to, you know, prop yourself yeah, up with yeah, a pillow, absolutely. if you need to lean against a wall, it absolutely doesn't make a difference. In fact, you know, I encourage it, go, yeah, and, go and be as comfortable as possible. So find a quiet time, find a comfortable space that you know that you can just sit there for a reasonable length of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so once you've got that, um, and even finding a comfortable position actually takes a bit of practice. So you shouldn't beat yourself up as if you're if you're sitting in a nice comfortable position and within a couple of minutes you get a scratch and it itch. Yeah. The, these are all common symptoms of yeah. you know starting to meditate. Because and, I, don't, and don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Like it's natural for you to have Absolutely. An, an itch or a scratch. And and for me, it certainly after a while in a particular position, I have no qualms about changing position. Yeah. As long as I change the position, but it doesn't change my focus. Like in fact, changing the position to just make my body a little bit more comfortable in one direction or other is fine because I can just carry on with my meditation had I forced myself to sit in that position mm. then at some point I'll just start getting my focus on, on the position yeah. itself yeah, so actually absolutely. I do change it every, every now and then if I need to and and as you well know because we've, we've discussed this you know meditation is the ultimate desire of meditation is to come off the meditation cushion it's to take it out into the world so you know movements and you know bodily sensations and things like that shouldn't detract from it but it actually should be used as part of the meditative process but when you start out it's useful just to try to push away as many distractions as you can um, and those kind of experiences and those kind of meditative practices can can come later on um, but effectively what you're trying to do is give yourself some degree of sensory deprivation it sounds like a quite a lofty term but really what we're saying is just quiet dark you know um, room with a reasonable amount of comfort so you're not basically um, you know distracted by various bodily sensations at the outset um, and I know I'm aware that there's actually a big debate in Sikhi about whether uh, you know what's prescribed in, in um, the Guru Granth Sahib Maharaj is, is a uh, audible loud uh, mm -hmm. Japana um, or a silent quiet one um, and that can be quite a, a heated debate for me my personal answer is I think you should just try both and yeah. actually just see what works for you uh, and surely that's the most sensible thing to do as opposed to vehemently try to dogmatically stick to a process that isn't working for you um, and you know for me personally I think the um, internal quiet japana is very powerful because again it feels like I'm getting closer to the source of what I'm trying to tackle um, this is an internal investigation and, and uh, internal japana is, is just feels like a, a closer signpost yeah. to that um, so I would personally sort of uh, advocate that approach. So are you literally just once you found a comfortable position, you just start? You like you? There's no sort of build up to anything. You just literally sit down, find a comfortable position, and you just start using that, repeating that mantra. Is is that is that how you would do it? Uh, that's that's what I would say is a good starting approach. But some people do find it a little bit easier to maybe just relax for a couple of uh, you know a minute or so, maybe concentrate on the breath, just to sort of calm themselves. Yeah, down. that's certainly what I do. I would. I mean, for me, when yeah. as soon as I sit down the mind is already like course, floating yeah. in 10 different yeah. directions so i use breath meditation and i've got a lot of videos on our facebook page where at least 10 15 minutes you kind of go through this process maybe a bit of a body scan or something like that yeah. and what i what i'm trying to do there is i'm just trying to get my awareness so separated from my thoughts 
that it just the thoughts don't necessarily mm. aren't at the very front the focus Absolutely. of what I'm doing and I find at that point Nam Simran is, is is just you're just a lot more receptive to it because I've found that if you sit down with Nam Simran and you just start then it's almost as if you're kind of battling a noisy mind with just another mm. sound and you're mm. somehow trying to just battle between the two Absolutely. and sometimes yeah. your awareness will be on the sound of the mantra and sometimes it'll just go on the on the thoughts itself so to so distance yourself between the thoughts yeah. and Absolutely. then to do yeah. I find personally anyway yes. you're yeah. just able to get into it and I think this is the point that we're making is to be flexible with whatever Absolutely. approach you, you use so that you don't think well I'm not doing it right actually if it's working for you you're doing it right exactly. and if it's not exactly. working for you you're doing it wrong and the problem is with with this approach this discipline in life is unlike a um, again using exercise as, a, as an example unlike sort of physical training in the gym you can get a personal trainer to watch the way you're doing it and basically correct you and, and almost give you real-time feedback as to, as to how you're doing it with here you have to be your own coach you know yes. the awareness that you're applying to yourself and seeing how you're reacting to things do I need to sit and concentrate my breath before I can do some Nam Simran? Is actually just starting out with Nam Simran a good way for me to calm down in the first place? You know, that you're trying to cultivate this curiosity in yourself. That's actually what's, that's the main thing you're trying to do here. Um, so as opposed to trying to rigorously perform a prescribed meditation, what's actually needed is a curiosity and a real desire for you to understand yourself. And if you're going to do that, you become your own laboratory and you become your own kind of self-correction mechanism. Well, that didn't work for me yesterday. Let me try something slightly different. You're still doing Nam Japana, but you can do Nam Japana, Mantra Nam Japana, yeah. in hundreds of different ways. Um, and now that might sound daunting, but actually what that really means is a lot of those will work for you. And even if some of them don't, just tweak it slightly, tweak your approach to it slightly, and you might have more success. So what do you think some of the barriers are going to be for someone who's begun to start actually meditating? They've found a bit of time, they found a month there, they're doing it on a regular basis. What's going to be the initial hurdles or what can they expect to be some of the benefits of actually doing that? Like what are they trying to what are they trying to get out of it? Because you, you mentioned a lot about pointing you in the right direction mm. well at this point all we're doing is is we're just focusing our awareness mm. on the sound of a mantra whether you choose to do it out loud or whether it's just the the idea of that mantra. yeah yeah and, and what do you think some of the, the the initial or certainly from your experience the initial barriers are going to be uh, so the initial barriers i mean i think as we've already touched upon um one of the most obvious one is, is just the the internal monologue just intruding constantly so your inner um, voice your yeah. inner voice you know that that thing which you talk to yourself with and talks all the time will just carry on intruding um, and then there will also be the, the loss of focus which comes with that so you will be reciting a mantra and then you will just forget so this constant repetitive forgetfulness of the task that you're trying to do and now initially that can be again it can be quite disheartening that you've given yourself such a simple task just recite the word for five minutes for ten minutes that's all I need to do yeah. nothing complicated and actually I can't even do that right. and that's quite a revelation for people but again I would encourage that that's a good thing because you are you know you're at day one on the gym and you've just realized that actually when you lift a weight it hurts so um, is that what they're trying to do they're trying to do a month there for a significant period of time where there isn't an inner monologue there isn't a voice going on in the head not necessarily I think I think a better way of describing it or characterizing it would just be where the internal monologue doesn't necessarily have the power to pull your attention. To distract again. you. Yeah, to, right. it doesn't have the power to drag you around. Yeah. If you look at your experience in any given day and just sort of try to watch your mind, you will realise how much power the mind has just to drag you from one thought to the next to the next experience. 
Um, whereas this type of mantra meditation, A, it highlights that very early on, that that's going on, but B, it gives you, just by trying to get back to the mantra um, that you're trying to recite and continually recite that and then lose focus and then come back to it again, it builds that muscle. It builds that muscle of pulling your focus back. Um, so slowly and slowly, although the thoughts will still intrude, that's kind of what the mind does, it's kind of what the ego does, it talks to you all day long, um, A, you will lose interest in them, or that's what I found in, in particular. You'll see the patterns that arise. So five minutes into your meditation, your mind will tell you, oh, I really must send that email, I really must think about the meeting. The fifth day after you do that, you're going to be kind of like, I've seen this pattern before. I've seen the fact that my mind just wants to distract me with the first thing I need to do at work. And really, I know that if I don't think about this now, it's not going to have an impact on my day. I can think about it as soon as I finish my meditation. Now, you don't have to say all this to yourself, but that it's almost becomes, it becomes intuitive. Yeah. It becomes intuitive, and you start be, becoming a lot more effective at just batting these thoughts away um, or just letting them flitter away and sort of die out. So one of the analogies that's really worked for me to try and understand what you're trying to do with uh, your mind uh, during meditation is to think of the analogy of standing on a platform uh, at a train station. So for me, meditation is remaining on the mm. platform. Now, if you're at a, tra at a train station, you've only got one train that you have to catch. You don't catch every single train yeah. that comes yeah. along, but there's a hundreds of trains. And in the same way, your mind is just gonna produce hundreds and hundreds of different thoughts. But if you can allow yourself to just observe, acknowledge the fact that there's a thought coming, but you don't, just don't, don't jump on that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know that as soon as you jump on the thought, and it's, you almost don't notice that you've done it. It's yeah, just like course, yeah. almost like all of a sudden, how did I get on this train? Yeah, it's yeah. the same way, you kind of get on this thought and only maybe a minute or two down the line, or maybe five minutes down the line, you realize, oh, I'm supposed to be doing Nam Simran. Or maybe your voice is doing Nam Simran, but your mind has just gone on because you've allowed yourself to jump on that thought. Absolutely. So I describe it as, practicing not jumping on the train yes that you're practicing yeah. not jumping on that thought you're just sitting there and the mantra is the thing that allows you to stay grounded on uh, stay on onto the platform yeah, itself absolutely. it's, it's the absolutely. thing that's always reminding you come back to the platform come back here so stay in this place and that's what you i think you've touched upon a, a quite a crucial uh, another difficulty that that people find and actually i found as well that even though I built up a kind of a, a, a mental focus, enough mental focus to recite Nam. My mind still seemed to have enough energy to carry on doing other thoughts. So you're now running in parallel. You're kind of trying to talk to yourself and fight the volume of, of the thoughts going on. Um, and again, I think this is actually where either having a word which has some sort of meaning for you, some sort of emotional connection or some sort of idea that you can help concentrate on so it's not just a sound but you are almost reciting a a emotion or you're reciting a feeling or an idea um that can have a lot more hold than just a word like again i mean if i go back to if i was asked you to recite cupboard in your head um you know quietly your mental uh, monologue would go crazy and you'd probably still more or less be able to recite the, the word cupboard without having any effect on on your state of mind whereas something which kind of grabs your attention it's quite useful. So we, we're almost, and uh, you're kind of moving into this idea because first we started talking about Nam as just being a word. Uh, so there are thoughts, so there's active thinking going on, and then there is this word that's somehow mm. kind of allowing you to, 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 to move away from those thoughts. But now we're almost introducing the idea that the word has to have some sort of meaning associated with it because surely at some point even if you get very good at just reciting this word again yeah. and again and again and you're not being distracted by your thoughts surely that's not the end goal absolutely what's the what's the next step then what what, is, what are you trying to do with that word let's say you've kind of become quite 
efficient at, at, at not being distracted by your mind what is that word trying to do what are well, we trying to do so that's a that's a massive question with loads of different answers actually i mean one of the things is once you've built up some mental focus you can go in a number of different ways you can either use that mental focus to start exploring yourself so where is this word coming from what does it actually sound like to hear a word that's not actually audible and outside what's the difference between my external experience and my internal experience um, you can concentrate on, can I find the location of that word? Um, what do you mean by that? So, you know, where were your thoughts? That's, you know, that's a key kind of spiritual question. And effectively, once you've got good enough at looking at your thoughts or just having your thoughts be concise enough that you can actually focus on them, you can start to explore about what these thoughts are. And effectively, your mental mantra is a thought. It's a thought of a very concise and particular you know, point. So, So you can start to add in this curiosity with it. Now, this is why I say that there are hundreds of ways you could use to explore it. And, you know, the different questions might take hold of you. And then actually it has a kind of snowball effect because your your mental focus is now built up to an extent that you can now ask these questions of it. You know, where is this thought coming from? Who's saying it? What's the voice like? What's the sound like? And then actually when you start to build up that interest, it actually perpetuates your mental focus because now you're more interested in doing this. So you're not just trying to ignore the 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 the, the, the thoughts the, the inner voice that you've that you've constantly yeah, had yeah. but now you're actually really exploring it so i could almost give the analogy that if nam simran has has been used in gurbani to describe a boat that's somehow carrying you across so if you're now no longer interested in the ocean which is this kind of mm. this field of, of of thoughts within the mind and you now you're actually exploring the boat and you're saying well where is this boat what what, what, what am i doing mm. here and and who is on this boat so it's, a, it's 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 almost looking at the nam in more focus and actually where is the sound coming from absolutely. from within you absolutely the the other one that i think people will quite or surprisingly this is this is something that people do start to experience if you maintain this practice for any reasonable length of time is you start to notice the kind of automaticity of the nantiment so it, it's it's a bit strange because in sikhi actually it's it's kind of put up on this pedestal at least in sort of mainstream sikhi about a japa turning into a japa yeah. where basically you know the japa that you're actively doing suddenly starts doing itself um, but actually what, what you find in practice and what for a lot of people find in practice, that's actually quite easy for the mind to just become automated. Autopilot. Once, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So once you've given it this task and you've done it enough times, if you give it, if you give it any thought, it actually makes sense for the mind is a very efficient thing. It says, OK, if that's what you're trying to do for half an hour in the morning, I'll, fine, I'll just do it for well, you. Well, you only have to have, have been um, exposed to uh, an annoying song. Yeah. And you realise that for the rest of the day, that annoying song is just in your mind Absolutely. for the whole day. Absolutely. So what, I suppose what you're trying to say, if I, if I correct me if I'm wrong, is that just because your mind starts repeating it or, automatically doesn't necessarily mean that you've progressed. It, it doesn't mean that you've progressed, but it is an interesting uh, milestone for you to start exploring in a different way. So, you know, the, the point I'm trying to get at is once you start seeing that the voice that you thought you had control of and we're using to say a particular word is now doing it of its own accord it brings up the question well where's that voice coming from and who's really responsible oh that's really interesting so initially you're thinking i'm doing the nam absolutely and when that starts becoming automated well it's like well what is this process now yeah. that's doing it and then i suppose ultimately i, I always bring it back to things like the self-identity and the ego yeah. Yeah. which is well if i'm not doing that nam Simran, then what am I? Exactly. So it starts to give you these slight hints. And again, this comes back to the whole point of what we said of Nam Simran is about pointing you in the right direction. 
and then you can start asking that question. So this is one way in which it does it. Once Nam Simran starts to take hold and you start to become automated with it, you suddenly start to realize, well, if it's not me, what is it? And that's not to say that you'll suddenly have a mind-blowing ego loss experience at that point, but it starts to chip away at this idea that you're responsible for everything going on and you're actively doing this. Um, whereas actually what you see there's a lot of automated responses there are a lot of things which you don't feel responsible for and it can start to chip away at your sense of um, free will and then when you read the Guru Gansa the next day and it talks about hukum and it talks about you know you're not in control suddenly that takes a hold of you so this is where the snowball effect happens because now you've you've read this line and you've had some subtle experience of it so the next time you meditate you're going to look for it even with a with a, a greater vigor so this is why you know the the meditative path and, and but still diving into Gurbani on a daily basis or on a regular basis can be so powerful because it, it reinforces each other this experience that you're having and this intellectual understanding of what you're having and if you don't have the knowledge of Gurbani then that's what Sangat is for I suppose that goes back to your analogy about when you're training and you have a personal trainer certainly in meditation initially it's going to feel like you have no guidance yeah. but actually if you do regularly go back to Gurbani you can actually start seeing that the Gurbani is already talking about stages that you might be tasting or yeah. experiencing and then seeing right okay well this is now showing me that I'm, I'm going in this direction but every time for me is, is is an opportunity to explore what the guru is saying and saying well is that is that working for me what does it mean for me the guru's talking about nam samran and ego and hukam all in the same sentence well, well how do those concepts work with me yeah. and so actually starting to use the the wisdom and combine it with your practical experience. Absolutely. So Jazz, I, I want to move on to this um, idea of people's expectations within Nam Simran. Certainly one of the things that I found is that meditation with any expectation is like a guarantee to fail because you're sitting there and it's like you've, you've kind of decided that there's going to be some magic experience and then all of a sudden you realize it's not like that because your mind is in the mm. way and all those sort of things. How much of a, of, a, of a barrier do you think expectation is? It can be a massive barrier. Not only can it be a barrier, but it can actually, um, in in my experience and the experience of people I've sort of worked with on, on sort of uh, helping to learn how to meditate, it can be the thing that can actually take them backwards before goes they go forward. Right. Because it, you, you hear about the experiences of people, you hear about these kind of ideas behind what meditation can bring. Um, and so they just build up this massive expectation of what you should be seeing in a week or a month or maybe even two or three months. And when you don't get that, as opposed to actually calming the voice in your head, it can actually inflame it. Because now the voice is telling you it's not going to work for you. It works for everyone else. It's not going to work for you. You don't know how to do this. And, you know, that the, the thing I say tell to people is the most common symptom of meditation is the one that, which is so widely known that everyone basically will pick themselves out as being different. It doesn't work for me. It works for everyone else. Now I'm different. I work for all these people. You know, they're all talking about God and this and that. And you know, all that. but for me, it doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. That's the thing that we all experience. And again, it's a symptom that we need to be aware of because then we're better equipped to tackle it. Um, I would, I would, I was trying to bring it back to essentially what the most common understanding of of, of Sikhi is, which is around the whole God thing, the whole idea that there is this oneness. Um, for for me, Nam Simran. If you ultimately understand non-duality, and this is where non-duality works really well, is that if you understand that the oneness that everyone keeps talking about in Gurbani is essentially a part 
of what you're made of or you are part of it or it's it's all intertwined and essentially you are god and god is you uh, and we have we read gurbani's uh, lines such as sab gobind hai sab gobind hai gobind bin nahi koi essentially everything is god mm. if we understand that nam simran isn't me calling god uh, and god being something far that if you first have to almost accept the premise that this god thing if that's the thing that you're looking for or this oneness is is you and you're not just confined to your mind and your body mm. but you are actually part of this 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 greater thing that's where nam simran really starts taking you into a very very almost deep spiritual experience where it's now redefining your understanding of yourself and for me that the, the clincher has always been when you lose expectation and you just allow yourself to get into the fact that this is god this is god or whatever the mantra yeah, is yeah. essentially that's what you're saying yeah. with you, with your mantra you're not saying i'm calling god but as essentially that this is oneness and i am that oneness i am one mm. then for me what nam simran starts doing is that you start redefining or reprogramming your mind to no longer just identify with i am me but you are basically this oneness is what this is yeah. what my body yeah. is what my mind is is this oneness as opposed to sapal or jazz or, or this is just me as the individual so i think there is this kind of ultimately it can get you there because i'm sure based on the conversation that we're having so far is is people might be asking the question well that's all fine but how does nam simran get you to merge yeah. with god yeah, and i think absolutely. that's my my experience of it yeah. is that you start to redefine your understanding of yourself you no longer define yourself as the ego based individual absolutely i mean just coming back to your point about expectations because i think it is such a um such a big barrier i mean one of the analogies that we can use about expectation and the impact it has is just when we try to fall asleep at night you know you mm. get in bed and if you if you are thinking about the fact that what you're trying to do there is fall asleep you can guarantee you will not you will fall, never asleep. fall asleep That's sleep so is not something that you can do it's something that kind of happens to you and it happens to you when you're not trying to do it if you get into bed as part of your routine you lie down you get into your position as part of your routine all almost automated maybe even you think certain thoughts as part of your routine what you will find is you will fall asleep because your body just knows it knows what to do with that routine if you sit there and you try to fall asleep or you're certainly you're thinking right i'm looking absolutely. i'm like like i sometimes try to think about let me see the point at which i fall asleep exactly. it just exactly. never happens well that's actually a good meditative exercise as well actually that's that's a kind of you know i think you're you're letting on some of the curiosity that starts to take hold of you because you start analyzing all your experiences yeah. especially the kind of non-conventional ones and you start thinking well you know i'm conscious now and i'm unconscious you know what's the difference between that what's a barrier what's the what's a line up which i get crossed but um but that's probably but not you can't, way, yeah. you can't that's sleep. not and that's not normally right. a good way to fall asleep exactly that's, that's, that's exactly. a good meditative exercise but meditation similar in terms of if you go into it with the expectation of i need to meditate or you keep checking on yourself am i meditating yet am i meditating you you know you've got to think about that's almost like you in being in bed saying am i asleep yet am i asleep yet you know the right way to go to sleep it just stop asking yourself and just follow the routine follow the routine that you know is healthy for you to go to sleep likewise meditation build up a routine to the extent that it becomes um natural it becomes normal it becomes something that's part of your life it's something that you're going to do and what you find is you much easier not every day i mean you're going to have ups and downs but it becomes more often than not it's a lot easier to get into a relaxed space a quiet space where you can start exploring or just if you don't want to explore just do the nam japa because it actually feels good uh, align it with your breath that that because that, that can feel quite nice and relaxing um so this becomes this moment in your day that you can carve out um in the last couple of minutes i just want to start uh, exploring this idea around 
can you do a mantra jap and nam simran or nam japana um throughout the day as opposed to just sitting down does it need to be sitting down because gurbani does talk about uh like your mind can remember during all sorts of things that you're doing what what's been your experience of, of using a mantra specifically so throughout absolutely. the day so, so i think to accelerate you ex- accelerate your progress on nam japana and especially initially to build up your focus i think it can be quite interesting just to set yourself tasks in the day so you know personally what i i used to do when i first started out was actually um uh, decide that in the from the point i woke up in the morning to the point that i made my breakfast um i didn't i decided you know mentally had the decision that i didn't need to think actually there was no need for me to think i didn't need to think about my meetings i knew it was an unhealthy habit for me um so i'm just going to do nam japana for a short period it doesn't have to be a long period so while you're while you're sort of going about your daily tasks um you just do that same sort of practice of nam japana and bringing your thoughts back and bringing your mind back to that that object um you can even start off when you're brushing your teeth you know yeah. for the point at time i enter the room and i'm brushing my teeth let me just see if i can do nam japana um now it will be a difficult thing because you know what you're turning this into in this particular respect at very least is this kind of mental exercise um and the fact that it's a mental exercise and not some spiritual awakening practice is okay you know part of this is about mentally exercising your brain so it is better healthier wiser and then better equipped to have the you know the, the kind of insights that might be required of spiritual awakening if that's what you're after um but that can become a very effective way because if you can do it during activities and tasks then you'll find when you do sit on your meditation cushion a week later or you know the next day or whatever it is the fact that you've now not distracted yourself with anything you'll just find it a little bit easier to do so i can, i find that it's really effective if you know that you're going to sit down and do a meditation or if you're going to do your amrit vila whatever it is i find it a really useful technique that that the 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 build up to that amrit yeah. vila for the first yeah. half an hour while you're brushing your teeth you want as soon as you've got yeah. out of bed whatever it is that you're doing is that you you start your meditation practice Absolutely. your nam japana practice and then it means that as soon as you've sat down to do your your, your or even if you're sitting down to do part or whatever you've already done that f- sort of fine tuning and I, yeah. i i call that period like you would never um if you're a professional musician you would never sit down and just start playing your perf- you yeah. wouldn't just start yeah. performing you'd got to tune your instrument and i see that sort of the breathing or the or the mantra before you even do barnia or before you even read any any of your nitnim is that you you actually do that so if you're doing that before you sit down it becomes very effective and i think for me the 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 only other thing that i i would add to that is that using this idea of this oneness that 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 there is oneness and everything is part of the oneness that is so powerful throughout the day because it makes such a difference with how you react to scenarios hmm. i mean just think about your your everyday habits when you're driving you know what could you be thinking about and some we we already know from scientific research that you know the 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 loudness of music that you listen to and the tempo of the music that you're listening to affects the speed that you're driving affects how you react yeah, and, yeah. and 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 road rage and things like that but now just the way that you're conducting your mind throughout simple exercises like that means that you're not necessarily going to have that initial instinctive reaction that you would always have if somebody cut up in front of you or the you know whatever your triggers are for you know people that make you angry people that annoy you even people who you don't get on with at work yeah. or at, or at school or at home or whatever it is is that you have a practice that allows you to deal with that because you're almost training your brains like if you said like sab go bin the sab go bin the you're now not only redefining who you are but you're redefining all the scenarios around you so i think it's 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 so important to do it sitting down 
but it's almost so much more effective when you're doing yeah. it in, on an everyday day-to-day -day basis because everything becomes part of your meditation absolutely and i think this is how i, I almost dif make the distinguish between this the distinction between meditation and mindfulness meditation is all is almost always restricted to a particular time and a very formal practice and your mindfulness is just that informal practice of just doing it all the time yeah. and I, i've almost coined this phrase uh, of what nam simran is which i call it mantra mindfulness which is being mindful throughout the day mm -hmm. using a mantra yeah. to help you be mindful and throughout the day i just find it so effective to use a mantra to just help me constantly remember and, and if the whole point of Nam Simran is to remember the oneness at all times then surely you have to be doing that mantra yeah. like yeah. Art Beher you've got to be doing yeah. it 24 yeah. hours a day absolutely absolutely but this is where the the idea of a um, you know the, the, the mantra almost becomes um, you know it's more than a word we're, we're starting to get into the realm of where it starts to evolve into an experience into an emotion into a feeling basically and then the idea is that you're not actually just reciting this word but out in the world you're reciting you're calling up this emotion you're calling up this feeling you're calling up this openness that you might have started to feel on the, on the cushion but again you know we, we talked about this idea of uh, meditation on a meditation cushion on a chair should bleed into your bleed into your life and that's what ultimately what we're looking for we're looking for the control that we're cultivating of our mind in formal practice as it were to be something that we can access at any point in time in the day um, and obviously we'll fail at it and we all do and that's part of the practice um, but the key thing is is that we'll get better at it because we're actually actively putting some effort into doing it jazz I know we could end up talking about this for a, for a whole day. It's been amazing having you on, on the podcast today. And I'm really, really pleased that I've, I've managed to get absolutely, you, absolutely. finally managed to get you uh, to sit down with me and actually have this conversation. Uh, I really hope that we can do some more podcasts together. So thank you so absolutely. much for turning no, It's up. been a pleasure. And thank you to everyone who's watched this podcast today. Uh, this is the first of hopefully many that we're going to be doing. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please do check out a lot of our other videos on Facebook and on Nanak Nam's uh, YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, www.nanaknam.org. You can find all the links there. And of course, like I always remind you guys, we are a charity. The reason we're doing all of this work is that we're trying to bring out some of that kind of hidden understanding of Sikhi and Gurbani and bring it into our day-to-day -day lives. So we do rely on your sponsorship. We do rely on your donations and just keep supporting Nanak Nam, keep sharing our work and hopefully we'll see you again soon.